Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 49 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and today I'm talking with Brian Castle of Audience Ops. Audience Ops helps businesses grow their audience email list and customer base with done-for-you content marketing. From creating the lead magnets, email marketing automation, to writing the blogs themselves, they do it all. Brian was actually on the third episode of this podcast, which has the very esteemed honor of being the most listened-to interview of this show. He understands like no other how to systematize a business so you can remove yourself from the day-to-day and work on the business rather than in it. And what he's been working on recently, I knew I had to get him back on the show. Brian has built his productized service business up to $50,000 in MRR and is preparing to launch their first SaaS product, the Audience Ops Calendar. While we talk a bit about the new systems he's putting in place here, I didn't waste this opportunity to rehash material he's already covered. So if you're interested in how he was able to build a web design agency that only took four hours a month to run, check out episode number three. But if you're like many agency owners and you've caught the product itch and are thinking about releasing a product of your own, then this is the episode for you. And whether or not you're looking to build a product, Brian also shares the number one profit-crushing mistake that agency owners continue to make. You really don't want to miss this. So without further ado, here's Brian. Brian, thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Back again for a second. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, so I had you back on the show in December, and at that point, you had built up a lot of the processes that would let you scale audience ops, but um, right at that point, you were also getting ready to launch your first product, and I know following along with your story, a ton has changed since then, so can you tell us what has changed since last December? Well, okay, so audience ops, for those who aren't familiar, we're a content marketing company, and since the beginning, which was like early 2015 when we launched this, or when I launched this, We've been doing this productized service where we it's a done-for-you content um, service where we basically manage and produce the blogs for our clients who are mostly software and software companies, some, some digital agencies and whatnot. And then I think when we were speaking in December of last year, the, that first side product, if you will, was, was going to be our first WordPress plugin called the Content Upgrades plugin. And, and yeah, that launched and, and, um, and we've since launched two little WordPress plugins. So we have the content upgrades plugin, which is like an email opt-in tool to, to put on your blog posts and, uh, and a landing pages plugin, which makes it easy to, to just fire up a quick landing page on a WordPress site. So those are kind of side projects for us, although we do use them in our service for our clients. That's essentially why we built them in, in the first place. But they, they haven't really been a significant part of our of our business, like revenue wise, they're, they're just more like tools and, and we kind of release them as like little low priced plugin products. But, you know, our, our service, our, our productized service has been growing, uh, you know, steadily throughout the past year. Um, and right now we're just beginning to build a very big software product. It'll, it'll be a SaaS product, um, which we're calling audience apps calendar. And essentially it's, it's an editorial calendar tool with some automation built in and and some team delegation built in as well as some uh, content analytics and performance metrics built into the calendar. So that's something that we're just beginning now. um, And we, and we have a a couple of beta customers on it who've prepaid for access and everything. And the developer is working on it. I'm I'm doing a lot of the design. Um, So here we are in like late 2016 and, and we're hoping to have 
a private beta by the end of this year. And then we're looking to launch this to the public in like early 2017. Um, so that'll be like the next big product and big iteration for audience apps, but our, our service will, will continue to, to grow, you know, for the foreseeable future as well. So, right. It's not like you're, you're not just ditching the service and going all out on this. You're shifting focus a little bit, but the, but you said the number on your own podcast, you said you guys recently hit 50 K MRR, right? Yeah. Yep. That's right. But at this point, how much of your time is spent managing the service compared to managing the new software project? Yeah. So right now, um, I'd say most of my time and focus is spent on the new product. I'm not a developer, so I'm not, I'm not coding it, but I, I, I did a lot of the design work and planning for it, um, as well as all the validation and customer development for that. And, and I'm, right now I'm kind of focused on building out the, the marketing plan for as we gear up to launch it next year. Um, so all, all of my time and energy is really focused on this new product. As far as the service side of things, I mean, that's essentially up and running without me working in the day-to-day. I mean, I still, probably like 20% of my time is spent on on that. And so what I still do there are uh, a few sales calls a week for that, like working with my team and coaching my team a little bit on on how to handle certain situations and and uh, I, I kind of tinker with our systems and, and processes and things, but a lot of those are, have been you know, in place for quite a while now. And, and I even have like team members on the team who like, like we have a team manager and, and her, part of her role is to um, help improve our processes and, and, and help like onboard new employees and, and that sort of stuff. So, so a lot of the, the day-to-day work and managing the team and growing the team has been basically systematized and, and I still do the sales, but then once once a new client signs on, I basically hand them over to one of the managers, and then they, they we have a whole process for onboarding a new client and, and kind of serving them from week to week. So, how big is your team right now? I think in total we're we're about twenty people, um, and so and and you know there are different types of employees within that number. So as of today, there are four full time salary employees in the U.S., and they're all writers. Um, in addition to that, we've got another five or six people who are like part-time, but they're everyday part-time. So those are like project managers, uh, a freelance writer or two. And then we have a group of uh, assistants who are based in the Philippines. Uh, there's four of them. And we have a designer who is based in Spain. Uh, he, he does a lot of like the, the graphics for all the, the work we do. A little bit separately, but I consider them part of the team. I, we have two developers. One, one developer works on our WordPress plugins, and the other developer um, I'm working directly with on, on this new SaaS product. So Interesting. And what I'll say to listeners right now is that to in the first interview with you, you really dive into setting up the processes that allow that team to not entirely self-manage themselves, but to really run without a lot of your involvement. And so I won't rehash all that now, but one thing I did want to ask you about, though, is Listening to your podcast recently, you mentioned that one of the big changes you made on the service side was improving your onboarding to combat churn. Can we talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, yeah. So that we've been making some some improvements to the onboarding for quite a while now, like probably going back to about a year ago. And what we found, and I think this applies to really any product, uh, whether even software, but especially productized services too. Um, I think it's so important to focus on onboarding because even when your customers pay up front, like they do with us, uh, those first four weeks or so 
are really critical to get to make sure that the customer's experience is like per, as perfect as it can be. And so we really want to uh, set the expectations, but also really just kind of nurture them and guide them along and, and, and keep reinforcing that we're on top of it and we're delivering exactly what, what you purchased from us. Um, and like we're set, and we're delivering on that expectation. So, so that means like going above and beyond in terms of, um, communication. And like one, one thing that we changed uh, a few months back was now the manager just sends an automatic Friday email for the first four or five Fridays of a, of a client's engagement with us. It's just a Friday email that says, Hey, here's what we, what we got from you so far. Here's what we're working on this week. Here's what's coming up next week in, in your onboarding process. Here are a few items that we, that we still need from you if, if there are any. And just to give you that, that heads up. Um, and there are other emails that come through during the first four weeks. Like, you know, here's the first draft of your email course lead magnet, or here's the outline, or here's your first uh, editorial calendar. Those Friday emails just help to reinforce, you know, we're making forward motion and, and, and we're, and we're still on. And we also include in that email, like we're still on track to publish your first article on this date and, you know, just to keep them informed. Because the onboarding, a lot of that is setting the foundation for what will be their their content plan. It'll be the email course. It'll be the content calendar. All those things where you're doing work, but they don't always see it. Cause yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That that was actually the problem before we did this. Was um, like once they get up and running by by the second month they're seeing activity from us every single week. Like we're sending them a, a new article every week and here's, and we're sending a newsletter for them every week and we're doing social posts. So they're seeing that activity. But for the first four weeks, we're doing a lot of like background research and planning the editorial calendar and we're drafting the very first pieces of content. And so there's like a two or three week period there where, you know, they don't, we're not necessarily sending any work to them, but we, but we are doing a lot of work in, in the background. Um, and so we, we wanted to just keep them informed of like, here's what we worked on last week. Here's what we're doing next week. We're still on track to meet these, these milestones as we laid out. And, and, uh, and if there's anything that might be holding us up, here's what we need from you. If you look at a lot of recommendations for free trials or for the onboarding period in traditional software products, a lot of kind of the patio 11 style thing is emphasize the value you're providing, compare it to the cost and all of that to make it just a no brainer. But for, for you guys, when it's with content marketing, a lot of times it's going to be harder to get those hard metrics. So do you have any sort of reporting that you regularly give your clients to, or do they even want to see an ROI or what are their goals when they come to you? Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. They, they definitely, uh, aim to see an ROI. Um, and we do provide a, a monthly report, which we start sending around the second month once we start publishing articles. And that report kind of recaps the, the previous month's articles, uh, which ones were you know performed the best. We show them like traffic, email open on, on the newsletters that we send, the, the email open rates, the click rates, um, that sort of thing. And then we also include information about what's coming up in the pipeline, like your, your next batch of, of topics so that they can be aware of those. So yeah, we, we keep them informed that way. But you're not like, are, are you plugging into their analytics to go the next step towards conversions or is you sticking on the earlier in the funnel? We do uh, connect to their Google Analytics and we include some of that data in, in their report. Um, part of the well, this new SaaS software that we're building right now, 
will basically replace all that and, and, and we'll have our own reporting built into that. And it'll be a little bit better. Like uh, we'll be able to report on things that are a little bit difficult for us to report on right now. Like we'll be able to, we, you can kind of get this from Google Analytics, but it's a total pain and sometimes doesn't work is like grabbing the number of, of visits to an individual article an individual blog article and then to compare that across all of your blog articles so you could see you know over time which ones are performing best um also tracking conversions and setting up conversion goals and again these are things that you can set up in in like a google analytics uh but to track them on an individual blog post basis for all of your posts on you know going out every week all year long that's just an insanely cumbersome thing to do um, in any analytics tool. And so we're designing our calendar, our calendar tool to, to make that really easy. And that's, I think that's one of the important things of, of combining performance metrics and content marketing planning within a calendar setting, um, which is kind of what we've been wanting to do for our clients. So now we're kind of building it ourselves. No, that's interesting. It's funny. It made me think of back in uh, MicroConf a few years ago where Heaton was talking about coming up with Kissmetrics. And he was like, how many people here knew that in Google Analytics you could set up funnels? A few people raised their hands, but not a ton because I didn't know you could even do that there. And then he was like, how many have actually done it? And like nobody had. And there's so much that you can theoretically do with Google Analytics or even better platforms, but actually doing it is just way too cumbersome. You're never going to do it. And then you just don't even look at the metrics end. So I think simplifying things, getting them into one kind of unified place makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just, I know this is going on a tangent, but something like Google Analytics is is like intended to be used for any and every type of business and type of situation and scenario. And that just makes it so insanely, like you said, cumbersome to use which puts a lot of these smaller SaaS softwares at an advantage, like the one that we're building, because we're building it for a specific use case for, for planning and measuring, you know, a content marketing plan. Um, so yes, it's purpose built. Yeah, exactly. And so I want to ask though, is because this is something where so many agency owners I talk to, they're like, well, this is what we do, but we really want to get into products. We have this idea. We're devoting some time to it. We're doing this. It seems like every agency owner has some idea for a SaaS product because they're tired of seeing themselves as sort of selling their time for money and this and that. But for whatever reason, what is your motivation for getting into products? I'm sure it's deeper than that. But I guess my bigger question is, doesn't this distract you from selling the higher dollar, higher margin service that you're offering right now? Uh, yeah, good question. I mean, I think when I started Audience Ops in the first place, I, I never intended for it to become like a consulting agency. And some may look at it like it, you know, it's called like productized consulting or whatever. But I definitely think of it more like a product company. Even the service side of what we do is a product in itself. It's it's very focused. You know, it's it's kind of like a recurring monthly service where we essentially do one thing for you it's made up of a number of things but we essentially run your blog uh, the best way that we that we know how so that's kind of like the service product that we offer and 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 that's been growing and, and it's been profitable and uh and and we can keep growing it but i think now the larger goal for me is to expand audience ops with a line of different products and that includes software tools. Right now, we're expanding a lot of our free training, but you know, maybe down the road, we'll do some sort of like paid training products. But, but essentially, we're a content marketing company, and we should be offering products that are done-for-you services, uh, software products, 
you know, training materials, training resources, all aimed at helping you do better content marketing. Like that's essentially what our mission is. But yeah, I mean, I think it's important to, to start, um, expanding and diversifying the product line. And, and I think the, the software product, you know, easily leads into the, um, the, the service side of it and, and even vice versa. Like some people don't want the, the complete done for you service, but they do want our system and methodology and, and the tools to, to automate a lot of what we do and kind of do it the way that we do it. And that's, that's where our software tool will will come in. Um, So you almost see the products, the, the real, like, pure software products as kind of filling in a product ladder for your overall content marketing company. Exactly. Um, and the other thing I, I wrote an article about this, like, I don't know, almost a year ago now called, um, called making progress profitably, you know, so many consulting agencies struggle to get into products because they're so focused on the service and that kind of eats up all their time and resources. And it's hard to devote time to, to other things. I mean, we're we're basically leveraging all the byproducts of our of our productized service to launch this new software product and like for like one thing we're we're leveraging the cash flow and and profit so the so the productized service is profitable and there's enough profit left over and i've been saving that in in like a in a business savings account to to reinvest and self-fund the launch of, of a software product so that's one but it's also like the the whole idea of this software product came out of our service um you know we're essentially designing and building this thing to match exactly our our processes that we've been doing manually um and kind of you know stringing together a bunch of disjointed software tools and it's not as efficient you know we're basically building one calendar tool so that whole idea came out of it and then number number three would be the fact that we're i've established audience ops as a content marketing company almost two years ago and we have this credibility in in the fact that we we've been doing content marketing it it works and we have a certain methodology to it so we've built this this brand and we've built an audience that puts us in a much better position to launch a content marketing tool. Whereas if, if we were a, a nobody and nobody knew about us and, and we were just kind of building something out of nowhere, you know, it would just be an uphill battle to get that out there. You mentioned it as almost like a byproduct because it's not as though this is some random idea that has nothing to do with your business. It literally came from making your business more efficient and it ties in directly what you're doing. It, it one thing leads to the other, and I think that's where a lot of agencies fall into a trap. Where they, or even the other way around, a lot of software companies they start offering services on either side. If it doesn't directly tie into your main business, it can be a real distraction. But if it makes sense in the overall picture of what you're working on, it really can just accelerate what you're already doing. Yeah, exactly, and I think. You know what? What I'm guessing a lot of agency owners are thinking when when they hear you describe it that way is, you know, well, how how do I come up with a software product or even a training product that's that's related to my service when my service is all over the place, and I and that's where it just comes back to going the productized service route, which is what we've done from day one. Um, you know, not serving everyone and and anyone. Uh, just really focusing on one target customer and focusing on one specific problem or ongoing problem that they have 
and we designed the best possible solution, even though it's a manually delivered service, we de- we designed that as as our best recommendation for running a content marketing blog for your for your company. Um, and that's that's been the software that's been the productized service. It was very fast to get up and running when when we initially launched it. Uh, it's been at this price point, it's been easier to grow in terms of revenue, grow the team, grow grow profit, and then be able to expand from there and and really look to the byproducts of of that process that we've been doing. Um, so yeah, even if you're an agency that's not looking to get into products. The same mindset makes sense uh, of not trying to do anything and everything because it's going to distract you. It's going to be hard to build systems to become more efficient if you're doing whatever comes up. You need to kind of, you can argue how narrow you need to go, but the more repeatedly that you're able to do a task for a specific type of person, the better you can get at delivering that task, the more efficient you can get, and the better your margins are going to be, the easier it is to sell, just all of that. Yeah, but I mean, abs- absolutely. Like, that's why, I, I mean, I love the productized service model. Even if, you're, don't, if, you, if you never plan to, to get into other products, software, training, whatever, and you want to just focus on the service, doing a, a focused productized style service is, it's really beneficial because you, it, it makes it so much easier to hire people and and put specific roles in place and systems and, and processes. Whereas, if you're a typical agency, you know most agencies struggle with profit margins because they they do so many different projects um, that go over budget over time, and that also requires you know a lot of overhead. You'll you'll need to hire much more experienced, more skilled people. Not that the people working on a productized service aren't skilled and talented. They are, but they're very specialized. Whereas, you know, when, when you're putting out fires and you're doing all sorts of different projects, you know, you need kind of like the best of the best people to, to do that. And you need more and more of them. And it just, it, it just becomes kind of a, a growing uh, headache over time. Right. And when you have that sort of disjointed offering where you are doing anything and everything for everybody, it's going to be really hard to build it in a way that lets you walk away, not even as a, in a sale, but even just mentally be able to take a week off. If you're the glue that's holding everything together, it's not even a real business at that point. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, yeah, I think we talked about it on our last episode, but you know, just methodically removing yourself step by step, like first, just from the delivery of the service, uh, then maybe the onboarding of clients, maybe removing yourself from the sales process. Just recently, I, I removed myself from the hiring process for, for writers. That, that used to be something that I, I spent a lot of time on, like reviewing applications and doing interviews. So now we have a team manager who basically does the interviewing and, and you know, recommends like two top candidates and I'll, I'll just do the final interview and then they, and they come on board. So it, um, you know, just removing myself from every piece of it. And I'm curious, as you've been able to remove yourself more and more from the day-to-day of the service business and devote yourself more to the software, what have been some of your bigger challenges of releasing this now what is going to be a full-fledged SaaS compared to the plugins? Um, yeah, it's it's hard to to flip back and forth sometimes. Although, you know, it's it's all within audience ops. It's all the same company, so that that makes it a little bit easier. I mean, if I look back on years past when I was working on bootstrapping a, a business and then still doing separate client work on the side, that was much more difficult to flip back and forth. I want to be spending most of my time on, on the new product, but uh, I mean, you know, I still enjoy working with the team and our, and, and our um, 
processes for the service side of things too. One thing that is very difficult for me is I'm sure like, like most founders, I like to move very fast. And the great thing about launching a productized service is that you can move very, very fast. You can, you can go from idea to launching it to, to paying customers and actually delivering the service, you know, within 30 days, even, even quicker. I mean, we, we did that within 30 days. So that's really exciting and you get to make progress really quickly. But as, it, as everybody knows with software, it's just much, much slower. And um, right now we're only about almost one month into, into the development of this thing. And I'm already seeing like, wow, we're, you know, we're, we're behind, we're behind schedule and it's, uh, you know, I'm just trying to do anything I can to, to move it along. But, um, but you know, I'm, I'm learning that. And, and, you know, we have, we have our runway that, that, you know, we're self-funding this thing and we have the soft, the, the service side up and running. So that's kind of sustaining this whole model as we go through the development process. You know, I, I would like to move much, much faster. <laughs> I'm going to stop Brian right there for a quick word from our sponsor, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so that you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets or whatever else your team decided to use that week and start getting the insights you need that can only come from having accurate data all in one place. Our best clients are agency owners, and while they love the accountability that comes with it, it's sort of like Upwork, but without the crazy fees where they really find the value is by being able to connect Hubstaff with their project management tool to see how much time it really takes to deliver each part of a project. Think of it as Google Analytics for your team. I've been absolutely blown away by how many times an agency owner has come up to me and said, Andy, we started using Hubstaff a month ago, and after looking over the data, we realized we've actually been losing money on one of our most popular services. If you don't know what your real profit was on your last project, then you'd need to try Hubstaff out. To say thanks for tuning into the show, Hubstaff is offering all of our listeners a 30% discount on all of our plans. All you need to do is head over to try.hubstaff.com forward slash podcast and use the coupon code ADVANTAGE. That's try.hubstaff.com forward slash podcast and coupon code ADVANTAGE. All right, let's get back to Brian. Was it intentional for you to start with something smaller like the WordPress plugins before tackling this bigger project it wasn't necessarily intentional um i think it kind of just worked out that way uh i, I had done SaaS products before audience ops I, I had a business called restaurant engine um so uh and i had worked on various other software things so I'm not completely new at this the wordpress plugins just came along very early on in audience ops because those were specific things that we actually needed to implement for our clients like the content upgrades and i, I just couldn't find a a, a good solution to do that at scale and, uh, and the, and the WordPress plugin just made it much easier. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I guess it, it was also kind of dipping into marketing and selling a small software product without, without it being like the main thing that we're selling at audience ops. The whole concept for this SaaS tool that we're building now, like I wasn't really sure when or, or what that would be. Uh, if, if I'm looking back to like the beginning of this year, I was kind of planning on doing a training product at some point this year instead of a SaaS, but then I made the decision to just go straight to doing a SaaS and, and not doing a training product, but we're going to be increasing the number of like free training resources that we do through the blog. So We've talked enough about it, but I'm sure people have an idea of what the new calendar product is, but what's sort of the elevator pitch for what the audience ops calendar is, what it will do, and how it will help people? 
Yeah, sure. So it's over at uh, audienceops.com slash calendar if you want to take a look at it. That's just our, our landing page, uh, our, our coming soon page, if you will. Um, you know, we're, we're billing it as uh, a smarter marketing calendar. And it's essentially designed for planning a an editorial content calendar. Um, it's specifically positioned as, as a really good tool if you're doing any sort of recurring content. So weekly blog posts, uh, weekly podcasts, social media stuff, uh, monthly webinars, quarterly white papers, anything that's happening on a recurring basis, this tool helps you manage and it helps you manage the, the process and the checklists that go into pr- producing every podcast episode or every blog article. And then you may have multiple people on your team, like a writer and a virtual assistant or a content strategist or, or, or a designer. And you can basically set up template checklists um, so that the writing of the draft is always assigned to the writer and setting it up in WordPress is always assigned to the virtual assistant and creating the featured image is, is assigned to the, to the designer. And then those checklists are, automated through your calendar on that recurring schedule. So as you have, you know, articles lined up in, in your weekly schedule, those those tasks are just automatically delegated to each team member. And then even if you move a, an article around, like if you drag it from one date to another date, the associated tasks are also rescheduled all according to to when that article is supposed to, to publish. So it kind of works back from the publish date of every article and it, and it assigns tasks to the team automatically. That's really cool because right now we do that using Trello and like you can keep track of it. You can move things around, but like there aren't the templates, there aren't the checklists. We have to basically set up everything pretty much from scratch for each new post. And it is better than not having a system, but hearing you describe what this can do, it just had my eyes lit up. I was like, wow, that would be so much easier. Yeah, we, we do use Trello right now. You know, we don't have our, our own tool ready to use yet. So, um, and, and it's... Trello works well enough. I'm I'm a big fan of Trello, um, but yeah, like, like for for an editorial calendar, it's not ideal because so Trello has its calendar view, right? Uh, but that's only based on the single due date of each card in Trello. Whereas if you're planning a blog article, say you're planning a blog article to publish on Thursday, November third, or whatever it is, you, you have other due dates that lead up to that, like the draft is due two weeks earlier and then the editing is due a few days after that. And then you have to set it up in WordPress and the featured image and like all these different milestone dates are related to when, when it's published. So the the concept is that we're working back from the published date and, and then automating all of that on on a recurring schedule. Um, But then the other big piece of of the tool is measuring uh, performance, measuring metrics of individual blog articles. So you can go back through your, through your calendar archives and see, individual stats on each individual published article from the amount of traffic that article received to the number of conversions that it led to, um, number of social shares. And it'll also automate some, uh, like there are all these related tasks that go along with, with planning our, your calendar. So uh, planning out social media promotion. Um, so you can automate you know, a queue of tweets and Facebook posts to, to go out with every article, but you can also automate some email outreach uh, to go. So, so for example, let's say we're doing this, like right now you're interviewing me on this podcast, right? Um, I don't know when it's going to publish maybe two or three weeks from now. So when it publishes, like the day that it publishes, you probably want to shoot an email to me or whoever your, your guest is to say, Hey, your, your, uh, 
the episode that we did is, is now live. Here's the link. So with our tool, you can automate that. So at the time that you upload the episode, you can pre-write the email to the person and have that automatically send out to the person when, when the thing publishes. So like you can do that, that sort of thing with influencer outreach as well. Let's say you have like five or 10 people that you want to email about a new article. Once it goes live at the time that you're editing and uploading that article, you can pre-write those, those email messages and have them automatically send out to the people when the date comes. So you don't have to like kind of remind yourself to go email people basically. So, yeah. Cause right now I'll just use like boomerang to, Bound, like for the email scheduling this interview with you, I have a reminder whenever, like once I schedule it, I'll have a reminder set up to send it to me either the week before if it's far in advance or the day of just like, hey, URL's live, here it is and, and so on. So like I do all that manually with a little bit of help, but hearing you describe this is kind of blowing my mind right now. Yeah, I mean the, the whole idea is to automate and pre-schedule as much as we can so that all you really need to do is produce the content and then the tool and the calendar and the automation takes care of all the related tasks that go along with producing a piece of content. Um, so that's essentially what, what we're trying to do. Wow. And I can't wait to see this. So I'm curious, what is your launch plan for this? I know it's in like a small private beta now. What are the next steps? Yeah. So, so we have now 14 people who've who've actually prepaid and they're in this private beta group um and they'll be the very first people to use it and i'm i'm hoping again we're moving kind of slow but i'm hoping to have a very stripped down beta version of this uh by december of this year that might be a little bit aggressive but um the probably launching it to the public will be sometime around february or march 2017 and i think the tool will maybe be like 80 percent feature complete at that point and we'll be adding features you know throughout next year we're about one month into it I, I i'm hoping to have it launched to the public like within within five or six months from now nice well i'm hoping so too because i'm definitely going to be using this and sending you an email about this pretty soon <laughs> <laughs> very cool but no, so so to start wrapping things up i mean you've managed to cram a ton of stuff into this 30 minutes but to wrap things up i like to just ask some quick questions um, sort of the Tim Ferriss style, your answers don't need to be quick. Whatever you want to respond is fine. However you want to interpret it, don't worry about it. So first one is, what do you spend too much time on? Like, I, I like to read articles. Um, I don't like to read articles or, or watch Twitter or anything like that like during the workday, but I do love to do it early in the morning when I'm drinking my coffee. Um, and sometimes I get a little bit carried away with that and, and uh, it'll take me too long to actually get into work and bre- break away from the uh, RSS and, and the news feeds. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's one. I, I guess just in general, I, I, I don't like to spend a lot of time like doing email and, the, um, and, and like the administrative stuff that's just not very productive. So what I've been doing for years now is I try to, um, I know these are supposed to be rapid fire, but uh, I, I try to do a lot of the creative work early in the morning and save a lot of the email and, and administrative work for like the afternoons, like at, at the end of the day when my brain is basically fried anyway. So ah, um, that's smart. Yeah. And you no, know, and rapid fire for me asking, but take as much time as you need to respond. Don't worry about it. And so the next one, I'm really curious about this one because you're someone who has systematized so many things. So what is it currently that you think you spend, you don't spend enough time doing? I'm sure most founders are thinking like they're not spending enough time on marketing. They're spending too much time on their product or on their service. Like right now, as we're developing this new product, uh, I've already spent many hours designing it and working directly with the developers. And we do have, you know, paid, 
beta customers in it. So that's a good start. But now I'm trying to break myself away from the product work and, and really sink myself more into the marketing stuff. So like plan, like planning webinars, working with our content team, um, doing more podcasts like this one. Uh, I'm trying to spend more of my time doing that. Cause like, that's really my primary responsibility here with, with audience ops that the team is in place to, to do the production work, but I, I, I'm, it's really on my shoulders to, to get it out there and, and get the, the marketing engine going. So Interesting. So the next one is, what are you hoping to accomplish in the next month? And you've already said you're hoping to launch by December, but kind of going with the trend of the marketing stuff, what are you going to be doing to get ready for the launch, I guess, or the soft launch? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and so I'm planning a, a series of web, uh, webinars, like educational workshops, uh, kind of teaching our methodology and, and kind of uh, our, our way of doing things. And so I'd like to do the first one of those uh, sometime in probably late November and then hopefully do a second run of that same webinar in December. Nice. And then what are your long-term plans for audience ops? Like how do you see this all coming together a few years down the road? Yeah, so I mean the long-term plan right now is is to just um, continue to grow the service side of it. That That's just been growing steadily all year long. I expect it to keep growing and then – in 2017, we'll make the shift to to having this calendar product out, um, and that'll kind of become our primary product. And we'll we'll continue to to promote both of those, um, and just ultimately just just grow it to a point where we are a content marketing company, and we have a service arm, we've got a software arm, and some training uh, products thro- or training resources thrown in there, and uh, and kind of grow that. Um, I guess for me personally, you know, I'm, I'm always looking, especially now that I have two young kids, um, I'm always trying to, um, build the business in a way that, um, that allows me the the free time to, you know, take short working days and, and really take the weekends off and, and take, take complete days, like weekdays off when, when I need to, I, I wouldn't call it like a lifestyle business where it's completely on autopilot and, and I check in like three times a year. It's, it's nothing like that. I'm, I'm, for sure, I'm working full time on this thing, and I and I enjoy doing that. I I, I like working on on this business, um, but now my priorities are different than than they were maybe five or ten years ago. Uh, so, you know, I, I try to keep a, a pretty eased um, work week and keep the afternoons and nights uh, pretty light. So nice, and I think that's what a lot of people are really trying to get to is have that they enjoy their work, they enjoy their time, but they want to be able to have the freedom to at least if they need to take a break, if they need to step away, they're able to. It seems like you've done a great job building up a real business that lets you do that. So I'm excited to see how everything comes together. Brian, so I was telling you earlier that your first interview was a is the most downloaded episode on the show, but I'm thinking this one might give it a run for its money. This was a really fun chat. So I wanted to say thanks. Thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate it. But before I say goodbye, I want to ask, where can listeners go to learn more about you, about your businesses, about where should I send them? Uh, sure. So, you know, my main company we've been talking about is audienceops.com. I have a personal blog over at castjam.com, uh, C-A-S-J-A-M. And uh, over there, I, I talk and write about productized services. And I have uh, some free training courses there. Uh, my my main course, Productizes, over there. Um and then the other thing that I do uh, every week is I get on on a podcast with my friend Jordan Gal, and we host a podcast called Bootstrapped Web, where we basically just rant and, and talk about what's going on behind the scenes. Nice. And so I'll get all of that linked up in the show notes. And Brian, I just wanted to say thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Andy. 
Brian was able to cram a ton into just 40 minutes, and after finishing that interview, I'm sitting here patting myself on the back for coming up with the idea of having him on the show again. Like many service business owners, Brian sees the allure of products. For his first business, Restaurant Engine, he did that by productizing the service itself. In Audience Ops, he has done the same thing, but this time around, his goal is to diversify into true products. He sees Audience Ops not as an agency, but as a content marketing company. And creating products is a way to help more people improve their content marketing, especially those who aren't looking to pay somebody else $2,000 a month to do it for them. That being said, Brian has identified a few traps that many agency owners fall into when they catch that product itch. So to increase your chance of success, the biggest thing is you want your product to tie in directly to the service that you're offering right now. Instead of creating a standalone project that's going to require its own sales, marketing, and support, and its own audience, build something that complements the work you're already doing. The trouble is that many agency owners don't yet have that sort of focus on what they are offering, and this is the biggest profit-crushing mistake they can make, because without a clear focus, it's going to be nearly impossible to deliver your services in an efficient way. It's hard to build processes and systems when you're doing something different for each of your clients. Regardless of whether or not you ever want to build a product, bringing this focus and systemization to your agency will help remove yourself from the day-to-day of the agency so you can grow the business or just have more free time. And who doesn't want that? That's all I have for you this week. So if you enjoyed the show and learned something, head over to iTunes and leave a review. Tell me what it was that you learned. I love hearing from listeners and positive reviews really help us grow our audience. So if you could take a second to do that, I'd really appreciate it. All right. I'll talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.